Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, it is Passion Week. We've been going over the events leading up to Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, and there's so many events that we could choose from. This morning, we are looking at um, John chapter 13, where... The meal, the Passover meal, just essentially happened with. Did I get that? Actually, right? hasn't happened yet. They're sitting. They've they've come to the upper room for the Passover meal. Okay, so this happens before yeah, the this meal. Is, yeah. Okay. See, that's how lousy. Yeah, well, I am. you know, <laughs> it's it's just a sequential yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you eat first, then wash your hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is Jesus uh, uh, washing the disciple feet. Uh, Brother Phil, you want to read maybe one through seventeen? Absolutely. This is John 13, and beginning with verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put his outer garments, put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. 
I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. What we have here um, in in the Gospel of John, in the upper room, he does what uh, the other disciples don't do. He he doesn't con- um, what the other gospels don't do. The other gospels have concentrated on the Lord's Supper, on the institution of the Lord's Supper. John uh, is uh, you know showing the servanthood of of Christ in this way. You know, John Calvin said, if the other gospels show us Christ's body, John shows us his soul, and there's a sense in which we get a, a an inner working, so to speak, of you know what. He says in Mark, he didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So you have an acting out of his service toward the disciples and us as well. Well, in a, in a very powerful way, Jesus is enacting his whole mission. Right. He's enacting his whole life, his, his journey beginning with the incarnation when it says that he rose from the table, took off his outer garment— uh, that's parallel with that's parallel with the incarnation. In fact, that's par- parallel with the second chapter of Philippians, mm-hmm. uh, that he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but instead emptied himself and took the form of a servant, as Paul says. Mm-hmm. And uh, J- Jesus wraps the he takes off his outer garment, he wraps a towel around his waist. He's he's enacting taking the role of a servant, right. and 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 the service that he's going to do for his people, is to wash them of sin. What's happened is they've arranged for this upper room uh, Passover meal, but nobody's arranged for, you know, the washing feet. You know, this would have been something that would have been customarily done uh-huh. in, you know, and particularly in a place of this size, somebody would have been set aside to do that. Um, you know, one of the one of the servants of the house, one of the uh, people of the house would have done it. Maybe even the host of the house w- would have done that. But you know, of course, you know, uh, people walked. You know, we didn't didn't have paved sidewalks, paved roads. You know, the dusty, you know, the dirt would cling to the feet. And uh, if you understand, when they ate, they didn't eat at tables that were set at three foot height. They actually, you know, they were cl- the table was close to the ground. They would prop themselves up on one arm and lay with their feet extended. So if you were going to eat a meal, you would be eating a meal with somebody's feet near your yes. near your face. And so it would have been common that they would actually have somebody would wash. Now, you know, you pointed out the just the the curious juxtaposition of certain scriptures, you know, where Jesus is showing his servant service, you know, the disciples are wondering who the greatest of them is among themselves. And here's a, an event where none of them wanted to wash the feet of an equal. Mm-hmm. And yet Jesus, who is over all, humbles himself, takes on the form of the servant, and and begins washing their feet. You mm-hmm. know, and, and you know, of course Peter recognizes, you know, the Lord is greater than him and it oh the Lord, no, you're you're not gonna wash my feet. Yeah. But Jesus is basically saying, you know, if you don't accept my servanthood here on this level, how are you going to accept my servanthood for dying for your sins? Mm-hmm. You know, in a very powerful sense, and we see Peter's resistance here, and he says, Lord, you won't wash me. He doesn't 
he doesn't want to humble him his own self, humble himself to allow Jesus to serve him. He thinks that's that's not appropriate. Um, now you think about this for just a moment. Peter is a picture of all of us, all of humanity, in our resistance to the gospel. Mm-hmm. We don't. There's something. There's there's an element of human pride that we don't want to humble ourselves to allow God to serve us. Mm -hmm. The gospel is so shocking. It's about God. It's about the roles being reversed, that God came to serve us. Mm -hmm. We don't want want something for free unless we force somebody to give us something for free. You know, just simply that they gave it to us. Now now I feel obligated. But if I can force that out of them. I remember there's a a man in my congregation that said something very helpful to me one time. He said, you know, we naturally hate grace. Yes. And I thought, that's an odd statement. It's true. Uh, It is true because grace means that you have nothing of value that that would put God in your debt. That's right. And that means I have to admit the worst things about myself. Yes. Um, One of the things that I was telling you guys about this Puritan Thomas Goodwin that I've been reading lately, he's just wrecking me because he, he he, he wrote this book called The Heart of Christ, and he's working off this premise that we naturally believe that that Jesus' heart is a little bit further from us now because he's in heaven and he's no longer on earth, and and he says – so, so let's let's examine that 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 idea that thesis is Jesus's heart as tender to us as he was on earth or is he far from us and he says he is more tender to us and in in all of Jesus's you know kind of closing time with the disciples everything that he's doing he is making sure that they know how he feels about them and this is no exception so in the beginning of this chapter it says uh, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the father having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end so what are Jesus's thoughts fixed on as he's about to depart from this world. What would your thoughts be fixed on if you were about to be nailed to a tree? Yeah. And Jesus's thoughts were fixed on his disciples. Mm -hmm. He never gave up on them. I often say they are the disciples. You know, they they don't quite get it all the time. You know, so so he does. He, he, you know, here they're slow to believe sometimes they're unteachable they're uncomprehending they their vision is often self-centered and earthbound and uh, you know he is going to love them to the end and there, there's even a deeper meaning than just to the end to the end of their life or something he loved them ace telos in the greek to the end to perfection to completeness uh, not just to the ends of an earthly life, but he loved them to the extreme limit in the full extent of loving them. And and, and we should put ourselves in this verse, mm-hmm. having loved his own. Who are his own? His elect, yeah. all of his people. Yeah. Yeah. This is us as well. That's right. Uh, at least by implication. Right. By extension. Exactly. exactly. Yes. And we're disciples too. Yeah. <laughs> and so so real quick, uh, as we get ready to close, so this picture of, of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, uh, you know, this isn't some random act of kindness meant to give us some moral lesson. Uh, nor, nor do I believe it's a sacrament of, of the church today. It's it's a very practical picture of why Jesus came into the world. Mm-hmm. Why did Jesus come into the world to wash away our sins? Amen. And He did it by uh, becoming a slave here. I mean, as you guys have already pointed out, He this is what slaves did. 
Jesus became a slave, and in so doing, washed away our sins. Well, in his uh, second chapter of Philippians, he, he humbled himself uh, and and became a servant. Uh, that's that's the great paradox of the gospel, that the Almighty Lord of the universe becomes humbles himself and becomes a servant mm. in order to cleanse away our sin. Mm-hmm. And became obedient <clears throat> to death, and not just any death, the but death. the most shameful type of death, mm-hmm. the death on a cross. Mm-hmm. And therefore, as Philippians 2 goes on, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name above every name, and one day every knee will bend and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Real quick, we have about a minute left. Uh, do you guys know what passages you guys are preaching for Resurrection Sunday? I, I'm going to be in Mark's uh, account of the of the resurrection. Um, and the interesting thing about Mark's account of the resurrection, it, it kind of feels like it's cut short. Um, it ends... It ends with the women running in terror uh, from the tomb. I shouldn't. I, I shouldn't say it, it ends there, um, but uh, then it, it it goes into it goes into some other things. It goes into some appearances, but it does feel like it's abbreviated compared to the other gospel narratives. So, Jonathan, do you know where you're preaching? I'll probably be preaching from First Corinthians 15, which is the resurrection chapter. Nice. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to preach from Luke 24 on the, the road to Emmaus. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. fascinated with that. I, I haven't I preached love, on that section before. I love before, that story, so, yeah. 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 Well, you've been listening to the gospel for life. We, we hope and pray that you would be drawn closer to Jesus during Passion Week, and we will see you next time. 